Hey, so welcome back to the Kyra London Podcast. Today I have Russ Rosen with me and he is a chiropractor who now spends all his time coaching chiropractors around the world. And he wanted a chat on the Cairo London podcast to go in detail into different ways to communicate. Now, this is a, a Cairo specifically for the chiropractors amongst you. Um, it goes really in depth into sort of different little ways and strategies um, to uh, communicate more effectively with your patients. So if you're not a chiropractor, you may want to miss this guy. Um, if you are a chiropractor, sink your teeth properly into this. Uh, Russ is a master at helping you communicate effectively to everyone who walks through the front door. And he, the key, spoiler alert, is to ask the right questions. So if you want to know what those questions are, get stuck into this podcast. It goes for quite a while because we just uh, were enjoying the process so much. So anyway, I'll stop rabbiting on and you can meet Russ Rosen. Thanks. Well, uh, Russ Rosen, welcome to the Cairo London podcast. Let's just yeah. right in. Um, Russ, you are, tell me where you are at the moment. Yeah, I'm in <laughs> foggy California, man. I'm in uh, just about an hour and an hour and a half east of San Francisco. And uh, it is so out of my comfort zone with this cold winter here. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you have nothing to worry about. It's literally five o'clock in the afternoon over here and it's pitch black dark and it's been oh. dark for about an hour now. I'm in London for anyone who obviously should be listening to the Cairo London podcast. You would assume I'm in London. Um, but, yeah, what's out the window? Describe the scene. Uh, you know, I see a bunch of palm trees. Uh, you know, it's I'm in a cool place, actually. It's called Discovery Bay. And um, when I moved from Maui, I'd been on Maui for 30 years. And we, we came out here to um, help out with my wife's folks as, as they're coming to the end of the lollipop here. And, um, you know, good thing, too, that, that we're here with what's going on right now with their health and everything. And mm -hmm. um, so when, I, when we moved, you know, 30 years in Maui, both my kids are still in Maui. And it was like... You know, I got to be near water. So my wife said, you know, when I was a kid, we used to go on the Delta. So the Delta is like 1,400 miles of waterways So you know, with rivers. So my backyard is a boat dock. And, uh, you know, I paddle, you know, and I got a boat, which I've never done boating. So it's yeah. really a cool, it's really a cool place. But I see palm, tree, <laughs> palm trees and fog. That's what I see. <laughs> oh, okay. Um well, I was going to ask you anyway, but we might as well go now. I mean, uh, so Hawaii, were you, were you born and bred in Hawaii? Mm. No, I was in uh, Southern California and uh, I went to chiropractic school in Southern California. I went on a vacation with a, a buddy of mine in school who had, was from Hawaii and uh, just fell in love with it. And I had a 10 year plan to um, go there. So I got out, started practicing. Um, had a 10-year plan to get there. My practice luckily did very well very quickly. And the parents started talking about, you know, kids and schools. And I just thought I'd never get there. So uh, I was in practice, I think, seven or eight months and uh, left, moved to Maui, didn't know a soul. And so I moved there in 88 and uh, I left in uh, uh, 19. 
Yeah. Wow. Uh, 2019, just last right. year. Uh, 2018, my bad, 2018, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. But, look, I mean, who I've never been to Hawaii, and I'm a bit disappointed you're not wearing a loud Hawaiian shirt today, to be honest. I had my muted, this is my muted winter <laughs> aloha shirt, right? <laughs> I didn't want to shock the crew, but this is a silk aloha shirt, but okay. it's not a loud one. Yeah, it's just toned down a little bit. Um, but look, let's let's describe um, why uh, we have you on today because uh, I know you've been a successful chiropractor for many years in Hawaii, but then you also, you obviously stopped practicing chiropractic and turned more chiro coach slash consultant, right? Yeah. Now, just walk me through that little process, though, of um, how many years were you in practice you know, uh, after you graduated, went over there, had a fairly successful practice, and walk me through that sort of process of, of how then you decided that it was time to influence people in a slightly different way. Yeah, look, uh, I moved. So I opened practice at, in uh, January of 88. And then I moved to Maui in September of 88. And I was really lucky to do as well as I had done. And in 2000, um, I had had some health issues and could no longer practice. And I, I wish I could say that I, that I went gracefully, but I didn't. Um, I had snot coming out my nose and I was crying and I didn't want to leave. I loved practice. I had this amazing, wonderful four generation cash, cash practice. I had one of the largest practices in Hawaii, uh, cash practice and God, I loved it. And then I had some health issues and I just couldn't do it anymore. And there's only one thing I know a lot about and that's running a successful practice. I mean, literally, I just don't know a whole lot about much else. Um, so I decided, uh, you know, I would start coaching. And so I took a year off and I uh, wrote down everything I knew. I was 210 pages into my my document that I would turn into the courses that I teach where I, I had never been on, a, been on a computer before leaving my practice. And I didn't know this thing called backing up. I was 210 pages into my document and the computer oh, crashed. Oh, no. And I had to start over. Just as a fun little ta-da kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, so then I took a year off and I wrote everything down. I started coaching and, you know, it's what I've been doing since, you know, end of 2000. So, uh, like, I had a similar story there, you know, where um, I quite often people ask me, because let me fill you in the story of Cairo, London, a little bit, where I ran a a practice in, in one part of London for 15 years before I decided it was time to multiply and now we've got five different locations. However, it was I think in 2012 that I've, I fractured my left leg and I couldn't walk on it for three months, right? So that's a great way to stop practice right there. But I quite often talk about the fact that the moment that I kind of took time out of the building, my practice was never busier. <laughs> and um, that then kind of got me kind of thinking, well, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's not for me about sort of being the busiest chiropractor out there, but it's about trying to help others and, and grow like a bigger community of, of docs out there to sort of help. 
um, more people than just why one pair of hands can, you know. Um, so that was my little story. I totally hear what you're saying with regards to, you know, pausing, even though it was sort of out of your hands a little bit, but then you obviously decided that, well, I'm more effective as a coach than I could have ever been as a, as a chiropractor. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. You, you, you mentioned that I was working with a gal in New Zealand and, and I was trying to help her understand, you know, um, the, uh, oh, what's his book? Um, the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Yeah. So, you know, CEO, manager, technician. So when we, when we have our hands on people, we're being the technician, you know, and I was trying to help her understand that, that she could, you know, start to delegate and, and that type of thing that I can't. I'm the only one who can do this stuff. And the next day she emailed me and said, went over my handlebars and broke my wrists. And I went, oh, OK. And she goes, boy, it's amazing how much I can get other people to do. Right. Um, for me, yeah, I could have gone back into practice. And the truth of the matter is, I don't know that anyone loved practicing more than me. I mean, I just loved it. But as far as ages and stages go in my life, being able to have this kind of impact, you know, and, and when I help one doctor and they go help thousands of people, um, it, it really is what I should be doing. And I love coaching. I'm, I'm good at it. I'm really good at it. So did you keep ownership of the practice that you left or you just sold it on and moved on? Yeah, no, I just sold it. Yeah. So here's the here's another uh, question, and, and I know we want to talk about you've got something that you really want to share with us today about something I know very little about. So I'm looking forward to getting into the topic of uh, what is it, neuroscience of communication. However, before we go there, I was like, why do you think – now, and I think it's, and I don't think it's a chiropractic specific or chiropractor specific thing, but why do humans or chiropractors, especially, need so much mentoring or coaching? Oh, mentoring. Okay. Yeah, oh, mentoring. So, 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 like, you know, do you think, like, as a, is it unique to chiropractic? Is it, uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know, something to do with the fact that if you want to do something really well, it's a good idea to get a second pair of eyes on it, right? Um, is that your look, thought? Look, if you just take a look at all of the greats in the world, regardless of who they are or what they do, they all have a coach. Yeah. In fact, they take it back. They all have coaches, lots of coaches. That, that's that's just how it is, whether it's a sport. You know, if you take a look, I watch a lot of MMA, you know, and these guys have a, they have a jiu-jitsu coach or a team, they got a Muay Thai coach or team, right? They got a boxing, they got a kickboxing. I mean, they got a psychologist, you know, sports psychologist. Um, if you look at uh, a really good buddy of mine, his son is the the, the youngest vice president, <coughs> excuse me, vice president of this, uh, of this uh, worldwide group that he's in. And they brought this guy in at, like 24, 25 years old and started mentoring. They just started, they literally just started mentoring this guy. So the thing is, is that we can reinvent the wheel if we like, um, but we don't need to. If we can stand on the shoulders of the giants before us, then then we can be better than they were. And and that's that's what I see as far as coaching goes. It's not just another set of eyes. It's a set of eyes who have been down the road that you haven't been down. And, and I think that really anyone that wants to be great at anything has people that have been down that road and, and they look for mentorship. At least that's my experience. 
No, I think uh, it makes sense, doesn't it? You know, you as you say, you, you look at all the greats and they always have someone sort of looking over their shoulder, don't you? But, but it's a really good point that it's not just someone, it's someone who has the experience or can find a way for you to do things better. Um, yeah, so. absolutely. And, you know, I take a look at it. It's such an interesting thing of what I know now compared to what I knew in 2000. And as far as I knew, when I got out of school in 87, I knew everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then in 2000, man, I really knew everything. But, you know, I've got this laboratory. I coach doctors all over the world. Um, anywhere where there has been a chiropractor, I believe I've coached doctors in China, Japan, you know, New Zealand, Australia, all through Europe, you know, Southern, South America, North America, I mean, really all over. Um, and I'm always not only getting uh, to coach them, but I'm getting their feedback. I'm getting their perspective. I'm getting to see what works in their world. And then I get a new concept and I disseminate it out and I let docs try it. And then they come back to me. And they go, yeah, that worked or that didn't. So, you know, with the, the volume of information of, the, of the, the experience that I have from doing that, um, being able to pick a brain like that versus just doing what I did when I got out, um, trying to figure it out on, on my own. I didn't get a coach until I was eight years in practice. And it was all school of hard knocks. Yeah. So given that, and I'm preempting the question here maybe, but given the fact that we are going to be talking about communication, are we going to be talking about communication? Yes, sir. I would love to. Right. Well, let's talk about it. However, what, you know, let's just sort of back into that a little bit with regards to why do you, I was sort of just tossing around this sort of the idea of why we think or why do you think that uh, patients or if we want to call them clients uh, who enter into a chiropractic practice, why do we feel like we need to be really good communicators with those people? Well, look, here's the deal. Was, was there more to that question? Well, slightly in the fact that I'm then sort of, because it's almost in some ways, um, I'm pretty sure there's a fair bit of internal conflict with uh, lots of different chiropractors out there who are like, well, look, if it's, you know, if people like what I do, they shouldn't need convincing that it's a good idea to do what I do, or people shouldn't need convincing that living a healthy lifestyle is, um, you know, something that someone should be doing. And then the third bit of that is probably when you look at the dominant healthcare provider on the planet, I'm pretty sure medicine uh, or in hospital, they don't do a lot of communication at all with anyone. Um, and it's almost like, well, it's just a given that you just, you know, when you're broken or when you're ill, you have to get what's on offer, you know. Um, and so I think there's that, that this is the, and I could be stepping ahead, but I can imagine that there is like with all the people that you've been dealing with over the years, there must have been a lot of that kind of internal conflict of like, well, you know, my medic friend doesn't spend any time communicating with his patients. Why should I? So absolutely. Um, your thought on that. Yeah. Look, here's the scoop. Um, you're right. We don't want to have to convince them. I don't want to have to sell them. I don't want to have to pressure them. I agree with that. Here's the rub. There's a gap. When you go and see your medical doctor, you have a symptom. You have a cold. 
And you're going there because they're going to give you a medication to help you with that cold. You have a broken arm. You're going to go to the doctor because you go to a dentist. You have a sore tooth. They're going to fix that too. The problem is when the average person comes in to see a chiropractor, they think neck pain, back pain, headaches. What we recognize we can do is we can help them get healthy, stay healthy, and have the best life possible. Well, how are you going to do it? By correcting subluxations, getting proper nerve supply, and then showing ways not to recreate those same problems over and over and over again, lifestyle advice. And if we do that, we can help you actually get healthy versus just getting out of pain. So here's the problem. When you go to the dentist, I have a sore tooth, fix my tooth. I have a broken arm, fix my arm. I have neck pain. Oh, but there's so much more I could do for you. Now, what I don't want to do is I don't want to force you. I don't want to use scare tactics. What I really want to do, and this is a form that we use, is we go path to optimal health. Negative 10 is near death. And we know it because you're in hospice care. Okay. Zero, you know, thank God you're not there. Zero is you feel good. You feel comfortable, but you're not functioning at your optimum. So if we did a whole bunch of tests, we could see that you're not functioning well. And that could be blood work. It could be spit, pee, and poop tests. It could be electromyograph, thermograph, heart rate variability, x-ray. But you do tests and you see they're not functioning at their optimum. And then there's you as healthy as you could be. You not only feel amazing, but you're functioning at your optimum and your tests are clear. So the, the, the point is this. Most of us recognize we can do this. Okay? Most of us, and I help doctors do this all the time, where they get their patients to say, I want to get healthy and stay healthy. And I get that you can help me do it. And then the doctors whis- whisper to me and they go, okay, I don't know that I can actually deliver that. And I have no idea how to communicate here. Once they're out of symptoms, I have no idea how to talk to them. And so that's my main focus. I've been doing that my entire practice. That's how I practice. And my entire coaching is for people who want to help people get healthy and stay healthy versus just out of pain. But we don't want to use scare tactics. We want to empower people and then give them real choice. They want to just feel better. Far out. They want to get as healthy as they can get. Far out. They want to do something in between. Far out. I'll help you do whatever you want, even if that means I refer you out, because that's not what I do. But I'm going to give you real, honest choices. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But, you know, and it's not a but. It's a uh, most people entering into your office don't even realize that it's an option, do they? You know, yeah. um, and and it's not. Let's let's be honest. There's there's not a lot of focus around the planet. Maybe slightly more that there's a bit of a virus floating around at the moment, but um, <laughs> there's there's not that focus on how can I be optimal. It's just how can I be not ill. Exactly. And and, and that's, so that's that's where if your doctors as you're saying, I'm not sure if I can deliver optimal health, and then the patients then saying. I don't, it's not even on my radar. Not on the radar. So therefore, that's the answer to the question. That's why we need to be good communicators because you need to be able to sort of introduce the concept to someone that's maybe never thought of it before. 
or tap into someone that actually is probably open to the idea and we just got to present it in a way that is um, motivating perhaps is yeah. the word. We need to shift their consciousness. It's a paradigm shift. This whole concept is a paradigm shift. They have no idea that this is available. And my experiences after doing this a long time with thousands of doctors is you'd be surprised how many people actually want this. Yeah. It's most. Most people literally will say to you, wow, I had no idea. I had no idea that you could help me in those ways. Yes, I would love to do that. I would love to not only feel better, but I'd love to resolve my problems. I'd love to be healthy. I'd love the best chance of the best life. Those would be wonderful things. I just didn't know I could get it from you. Trust me, they're not going to Google under C for chiropractic or go in the old yellow pages for C for chiropractic of how to get healthy and stay healthy. Hmm. It's, it's not even on their radar, let alone if it was, they wouldn't know to look for us. And that's the problem. We've all shot ourselves in the foot. Back in 2001, 2, 3, 4, when I started working with docs in Australia, New Zealand, all through Europe, well, all through Europe, definitely uh, England, um, you guys hadn't shot yourself in the foot yet. Like we had, we shot ourselves in the foot. People, you say chiropractic, 99 out of 100 people will say neck pain, back pain, headaches. When I started working with docs in other parts of the world, you say chiropractic and they say, huh? They, they didn't really know what it was. So you guys had an opportunity to go out there and say, hey, this is actually what it is. You get to define what it is. By now, y'all have shot yourself in the foot. They all say neck pain, back pain, headaches, just like we did. Do. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's still one of the reasons why there's a lot of Aussies over in the UK, though, because we don't have enough graduates uh, in chiropractic school coming through here at the moment which still means a fairly low percentage of people using or visiting a chiropractor. And you still get a ton of people coming through the front door who don't even know what a chiropractor is, but they were just told it was a good idea that they should get Amen. down there. Um, yeah, wonderful. So, yeah, they're great. They're virgin, right? You nice. get to yeah. tell them what it is. Yeah. But this is, you know, if you do, if you are falling back into that lazy habit of saying, well, I've been a chiropractor doing this for 20 years, I'm, you know, and if you are kind of falling into that little neck pain, back pain thing, then you, yeah, I, I guess you can you can be a lazy communicator as far as um, not challenging someone when maybe they they should be. But yeah, absolutely. And and the deal is 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 you know so many of us really get it that we could do that. We're just fat and lazy. You know, especially in the United States, there was good insurance back in the day. That happened to me. You know, we got really great insurance, and you're making a lot of money. And um, it's really easy. You know, I have neck pain. Oh, we can help your neck. You get 20 visits. You know, your insurance will pay for it. You don't need a lot of great communication. You want to shift their consciousness in a matter of minutes and help them understand the truth of what it is you offer. You need to be able to communicate in a dramatically different way. Mm. It, it just is what it is. Let's digress slightly. Do you, um, have you, have you, you must have come across Stu Burnson and Sam Wang from the Cairo One guys, or have, do you not know those guys? No. It's funny, they, they just arrived on London doorstep in 2018 and we had a, they just contacted me as they were flying pretty much from the airport saying we're going to be in town. Um, can we just get a, a, a meet-up for a cup of coffee and get a bit of a feel for the lay of the land in London, right? Now, they, they run this Cairo One group in Chicago, and what's amazing about the U.S., is that you can run, well, they're obviously considered east or 
you know, central, I guess you'd call it, um, uh, and they run 80, 80 clinics, right, mm. um, and yet you haven't even heard of them, you know, and, and, and th- that's how big, obviously, the U.S. is where that sort of thing can happen. But um, anyway, we, we struck up a bit of a relationship and we went over to uh, Luke and I, the, the co-founder of Cairo London over here, we went over there to sort of check out um, their many clinics and, yeah, I think you're right. There is still an element of that insurance pays X amount um, and it can be a bit of a, yeah, well, it's a de- very different landscape than it is over here where you might get five visits paid for, not, you know, hundreds or, you know, for, say 40, that sort of a thing. So, Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, when I started off all cash and then in Hawaii we had this unbelievable no fault for car accidents and work comp and it was, you know, uh, it was a hundred, it was $15,000 worth of care a uh, hundred dollars a visit mm. and so you gotta you got yeah and with no reports no questions ever yeah. yeah you know and then you just get bad and lazy one day it stopped yeah. one monday it stopped and 75 wow. percent of my income was gone 75 percent of my income i just built a million dollar house at ten thousand dollars left to my name Right. So like, yeah, that hurts. That, that hurts, you know? Um, But actually, I mean, that's what caused me to really dive into these whole communication ideas. And I I went back and I said, I got to do something different. Um, Let's jump jump straight in there. um, Talk to me about the neuroscience of communication. Um, Evolve that idea. Yeah. Look, so here's the deal. The neuroscience of communications is a really interesting concept. And it's based on this, this idea that, I need to close this gap. Neck pain, back pain, headaches. Get healthy, stay healthy, have the best life possible. But here's the problem. What we have been taught is to educate. But education, the way that we were taught it, doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And here's why. On an average conversation, when you're having a normal conversation with somebody, we recognize that each person will glean about 25% of the information. They'll hear 25% of the information from the other person. The rest of the time, they're multitasking. They're thinking about other things, and they're thinking about how they're going to respond. So here's my question to you. What percentage of your information that you're telling your patient would you like them to get? Well, 25% would be good, right? Well, 25% is normal. Okay. So you want more than 25%. <laughs> yeah. How about half? Yeah. How about 100? How about 100? Yeah. You go. I want 100%. How about you? 100% would be even better. Yeah. Let's go for that. Okay. And I guarantee you, you can do it. I'll show you exactly right now exactly how we do it. But we have to first understand what doesn't work. And what doesn't work is telling. What doesn't work is you got to tell the story. You got to tell the story. You got to tell the chiropractic story. You got to get out there and educate. I dig it. I like it. It's wonderful at seminars and rah, rah. But it doesn't work. Mm. Right? So... I can imagine where a lot of people fall down as well is not only do they try and educate, but they educate 
for far too long. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you're only picking up 25%, maybe their theory is that they're working, uh, well, the more I talk, the bigger that 25% cut is, but that's obviously not where we're going today. So no, and in, in fact, you know, you 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 have a choice. You can give them ten pieces. You can give them hundred pieces of information, yeah, of which they're going to retain just about nothing because at one point they go on overwhelm, yeah, and they start drooling and they stop hearing anything. Or you can give them ten pieces of information ten times, right, and and then they can start to get it. Yeah. So the way it works is nobody cares about Dee Dee Palmer. No one cares about BJ. No one cares about Ruth, the dog fluffy. No one cares about your technique guru. They don't care about the spine. They don't care about the nervous system. They don't give a crap. They don't care. What do they care about? Well, they care whatever, you know, they care about whatever's motivating them to come in the building in the first place. That's it. That's what they care about. They care about themselves. Yeah. And what we have to do is we need to, draw we need to draw their story out of them we need to take our story chiropractic subluxation nerve interference corrected lifestyle right we need to take our story and apply it to their story and now they can start to get it we have to draw their story out of them so let's look at the neuroscience of communications it goes like this reptilian brain any idea do you remember what the reptilian brain does for a living doesn't it do all the automatic stuff yeah. Yeah. It's survival. Yeah. Food, fighting and fornication. Three Fs, okay. right? Probably not a good practice builder. Food, fighting and fornication. Right? And don't do those with your, your patient. So the problem is this. The reptilian brain, what it's doing for a living is it's filtering all incoming information, all information coming in. Okay. And what it's saying is if this isn't really, really, really important, I am not going to send it to my neocortex for thinking, reasoning, and problem solving. I'm going to put it here in my subconscious. Never heard, never aware of it, right? Okay. So let me ask you this. Right now, um, can you feel your sleep on your arm if you think about it? Can you feel your sleep? Yeah. Were you feeling it a moment ago? No. Not at all. Because if you had to know all information coming in, we've got, what, several hundred thousand impulses per second coming in, you'd pop. There's no way that you could get on with life if you were aware of all of the impulses coming in. So your reptilian brain literally was saying, I don't need to know that. But you're in, you know, maybe London, certainly I could say New York, you know, lots of traffic, trains going by, sirens going by, people shooting at each other, lots of noise. And you got a husband and wife that are sleeping through all that perfectly, but their newborn baby cries and they wake up. That's because the reptilian brain said, this is important. Send it to the neocortex for thinking, reasoning, and problem solving. You with me so far? With you. So we need to get our information past their reptilian brain to the neocortex for thinking, reasoning, and problem solving. If we do, and it makes sense, which thank God a chiropractic does, it will take that information and it will drop it into the limbic system. The limbic system is the emotions and it's the belief systems. It's where we get McLeanites, it's where we get Rosenites. These are people that are born again, they buy us. 
right? It's a new belief system. And what I want to do is get my information, subluxation, nerve interference, proper nerve supply, good lifestyle. I want to get that past the reptilian brain into the neocortex. I want them to think and reason, and it will drop it into the limbic system. So I'm going to draw their story out of them. I'm going to take my story and apply it to it. And it literally will be their story. When it gets into the limbic system, it is now their story. This isn't what Dr. Rosen told them. They literally will walk out and they will say it as if it was theirs. You've done this. I promise you, you've done this. I, I had the opportunity for a, you ever heard of contact reflex analysis? Yeah, I think first of all, is no. it, I studied with him back in the, in the early, uh, late eighties, early nineties. And uh, he passed away in a car accident a little bit ago, but um, his daughter got a hold of me and, and I helped her uh, with the book um, that she just put out. And as I read through the book, I recognized so much of what I thought I came up with as far as how when I'm working on people that I thought I figured out on my own, I learned from him. Like I was blown away as I read through that book going, oh, <laughs> I thought I made that up. <laughs> you know, what we do is we take information, it all mixes up, and then it gets dropped into a place where we think it's ours. And that's what we're going to do with our information. We're going to drop it into their limbic system as their belief system. You with me so far? So obviously the big how are we going to do that, Russ, though? Yeah, we'll do it right now. Yeah, we'll do it right now. But I just want you to get here's the problem. What you and I were taught was to educate. And what educate means is I speak from my neocortex to your neocortex. And it doesn't work. I have to speak from my neocortex to your reptilian brain. If I send it to your reptilian brain and your reptilian brain says, this is important, it will send it to the neocortex for thinking and reasoning. I've done my job. Yeah. So the whole question is, how do I get my information to your reptilian brain to send it up? This is a big piece of the puzzle. Do you understand how different that is? Well, absolutely. And I'm assuming that it also means that it's not going to happen every time. No, you, it can happen every time. I'll show you how right now. Okay. I'll show you um, how right now. Let's do it then. All right. So here's the deal. I just want to make sure that we all get this piece. I got to quit educating by speaking from my neocortex to your neocortex. I need to speak to your reptilian brain so it will send it up. So now the question is, if I understand that and the value of that is, how do I do that? Well, here's the deal. You make it about food because they're hungry, fighting, punch them in the face or have sex with them. Again, not a good idea. Or we can make it new novel and exciting it's all about them so if we know that their favorite favorite story is their story we need to make our story about their story we draw their story out of them we apply our story to their story completely under the radar and it will now become their story here's an example Oh, and how do we do it? We do it through Socratic questions. So two kinds of questions, informational, Socratic. Chris, what's your last name? McLean. 
Did you learn anything or did you already know your last name? I already knew my last name. That's an informational question. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think this happened? Why do you think this isn't getting better? What do you think brought this on? What level of health do you want to get to? Why is this so important to you? Those are Socratic questions. Meaning they don't really have an answer. Say it again. Like they don't have a specific answer in mind, you mean? A Socratic question is one that makes them do this. It makes them think. If you make them think, literally, you will watch their eyes and you will say, so let me ask you, why do you think this this is coming back? Or why do you think this hasn't resolved? And this is what they'll look like. Well, when they do that, they are sending that information to the neocortex. They're literally looking up and sending it to the neocortex. They will think and reason. They will come back and look at you. It is now there. I know it's there. When I say, why do you think that's going on? And they go, you know, probably from the car accident that I had. And then we bring up other things and they go, yeah, I did a lot of crack cocaine. You know, yeah, okay. They're thinking, they're reasoning. If I can get you to think and reason, it got past the reptilian brain. So you actually want that pause, you want that eye roll, you want the, let me just think about that for a moment, as opposed to the, well, not the, why do you think this is happening? It's the, well, this is definitely happening because this bone is on this nerve, right? Let me tell you why this is happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's education. I'm educating your neocortex. Chris, come on over here. Let me show you this and this, and let me tell you that, and let me do this, and let me blah, blah, blah. And what happens is, and we've all seen this, yeah. we've all seen that they start to drool, yeah. right? We, I mean, that's what happens. They, they, you were, they were with you, but they didn't come back to the report of findings. They were with the report of findings. They were with you. They had to go and think about it, right? We caused it. We literally caused them to start to drool. All you have to do is one or two things. One or two things. You, you, all right. So you just went like this. You went and you looked back at me. Was there a noise over there? No. Okay. Cause I said something and you, you had to give it thought. I just said, we literally caused this. And you went like that, that, that fraction of a second that you gave that thought. Now I'm watching you as we're speaking. If you're doing that and you go like that and I keep talking, I'll lose you. Uh, you're trying to process that information. And some people process faster and some people process slower. But if you're processing that information and I keep going on, it's like a 1999 computer trying to run, you know, 2020 software. It just, it grinds to a halt. So I have to be very aware when we're speaking that I'm asking you questions and I'm letting you think it through. I'm letting you come up with your answers. I'm not trying to tell you. I'm literally asking you questions so you will think it through. And as Socrates said, ask the right questions. Most people will come to the same logical conclusion. So it's, uh, this is all coming back to me. We started off this conversation about our friend, my friend, Bloomy, and how um, you were working with him. And I'm pretty sure when you were working with him, this is coming back to me as a uh, a concept or a way to communicate with people, and you, this is what you've been doing for a long time. This idea or your your 
you know, the mechanisms of communication has evolved over about a decade or so, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. You've, well, pro- you've seen it. Yes. Yeah, you, you've put it to the test so many times. And I, I remember back then, and, and, and this is the, and I'm sure there are techniques to help with this, but to the uninitiated, this seems a lot harder work than actually just telling people what's actually wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I could just tell you, if I could just come and tell you and you got it, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. That'd be it amazing. doesn't work. <laughs> well, but, and that's what most people do. And that's what I'm talking about in terms of like the laziness associated. Well, it's something I've done all the time. So, you know, uh, th- that concept of repeating the same stuff and expecting a different outcome, right? This is what we're suggesting that if you want to be a better communicator, you need, well, you you need to be asking better questions, not just telling the information because it's just going to be like hitting that force field and bouncing right off, isn't it? Literally. So the question that I ask docs when they want to work with me is, do you want to help people get healthy and stay healthy for a lifetime or you just want to get them out of symptoms? Do you want to help them resolve their problems or you just want to get them out of pain? If you just want to do this, you don't need to work with me, right? Work with them till they feel better. Stop. You want to help people get healthy and stay healthy, you're going to have to shift their paradigm. They're going to have to see things from a different perspective. And to do that, you're going to have to communicate in a different way. If your retention isn't over 60, right? If you don't have, I mean, you know, a lot of dogs that I coach, well over 100 retention. So people are getting it. They're out of pain within the first, what, five, 10 visits? Mm. Average worldwide is below 20. You yeah. want a 60, 70, 80, 100, 150, 200 PVA? You need to shift their consciousness and get them to understand this. Yeah. So let's look at how to do it in real life, real time. Okay, let's do it. All right. So I'm going to ask you Socratic questions because I want to draw your story out of you. I am every aspect of whatever it is that we do in our communications, consult, exam, report of findings, daily interactions, re-exam, re-report. It it doesn't matter. We're always looking at what are the right questions I can ask you to move you up to the next level. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm literally trying to simply help you understand and bridge the gap and find out what you want, show you how to have it. So I want to find out what you want in relationship of what I can truly do for you and show you how to have it, right? And what I can do for you is more than you thought. So I'm not just going to find out what you want. You want your neck cracked, I'll crack it. I'm going to find out what you want in relationship to what I can do for you. But now I have to help you understand what I can do for you. So let's look at the console. Right. Here we go. In a consultation, we've all heard this before. In fact, have you ever heard that it's a good idea to build rapport right off the bat? Absolutely. Okay. So from a a reptilian brain's perspective, a neuroscience communications perspective, why do I want to build rapport right off the bat? I guess because it uh, makes everyone feel comfortable and thinking that if you're comfortable, you'll be more accepting to an idea perhaps. Sure. And, and if you're comfortable and, and you trust me, then you got a better idea of what? Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll accept as a professional as well. There's that period of, you know, that, that, that trust that you have and you'll you'll take on board the recommendations or the suggestions as to how to achieve what you want to achieve. I agree. I agree 100% with you. 
that that's the deal, right? If if you if you like me and you trust me, you'll probably take on my recommendations. Mm-hmm. Now you'll see what I just did with you is exactly what I'm going to teach. It's exactly what I do with my patients. I asked you, why are we going to do this? You literally, when you watch this video back, you were going to see that you went like that and you thought it through. You came back, you gave me most of it. I added just one little piece right here. You then added to that, then I agreed with you. When I agreed with you, that is now your idea. You've taken it on and this is now your belief system. It's not Russ's, but I have to convince you, you know that that's true. It's as simple as that. When we meet people, we sniff each other under the tail. That's what we do. We're looking for friend or foe. Friend, opening more information. Foe, go into the amygdala. You're in the amygdala, it's fight or flight, right? You're in fight or flight, nothing's making it to the neocortex. That's why I want to build rapport, okay? Let's take a look at the next step of a consult, which we teach exactly how to do, but we don't have that kind of time. I want to relieve concerns and fears. I want to take about 30 seconds and relieve any concerns and fears. Here's my first question to you. Has anyone ever come to see you or a chiropractor in fear or anxiety? Yes. What's the problem if somebody's in fear or anxiety? Well, they won't relax. Okay, and if they don't relax, then what? Well, if they don't relax, they won't be very receptive to what it is that you're going to either talk to them about, I guess, or do with them if you're Absolutely. talking treatment. Because when you're in fear, you're in the amygdala. And when you're in the amygdala, fight or flight, nothing makes it to the what? neocortex nothing makes it to the neocortex for thinking and reasoning i cannot afford to have you in fear so i'm going to take about 20 or 30 seconds and i'm going to relieve your concerns and fears so let's say that i'm a minute into the consultation i've got rapport i've relieved your concerns and fears and now what i want to do is dive into something that most of us have never learned And that is how in the consultation to draw their information out of them and make the picture bigger. Okay. So when we do our history, have you ever been led around by the nose hairs where you say, I understand you have neck pain going down your shoulder. Tell me more about it. And they go on and on and on and on. And they just keep going. And you're like, God, please get me out of here. Has that ever happened? Yeah, because I think the theory is people only talk for a certain period of time before they stop, right? But except for that one or two people. <laughs> Absolutely, right? And then, and then you know, the, the trick is, is what am I really trying to gather? So I think of playing darts. I just want bullseyes. I, I don't want fives. I don't want tens. I don't want twenties. I just want bullseyes. I only want to find out what's most important to them. But if I'm going to find out what's most important to them, there's only one way I can do that, and that's to ask, right? So, excuse me, I'm going to give a good summary. You can pain go down your shoulder. I know you're concerned about this, blah, blah, blah. Tell me more about it. Now, what I know I'm going to listen for is three things. I'm going to get my reticular activating system to listen for three things. It's going to be diagnosis or lack of diagnosis. It's going to be pain, or it's going to be how it's affecting their life. Those are the only three possible answers. I will not say to you, I understand you have neck pain going on your shoulder. Tell me more about it. And they say to me, uh, blue Corvette. 
It's, it's not going to happen. There are three possible answers that I want to think through. One of them is diagnosis or lack of diagnosis. And here's what it sounds like. Yeah, Dr. Chris, I got to tell you, man, I've probably seen a dozen doctors and I'm so frustrated. You know, one says that I got this and they give me a drug. Now I, now I, I got dry mouth and I got to take another drug and now I'm impotent, right? And this person tells me it's a disc and that person tells me that. I'm just so frustrated. Okay, we've all heard that. Right. The question is, how do I handle that in less than a minute and be able to move on? Because I promise you, if you don't handle their frustration and you start talking about their pain, O-P-Q-R-S-T of pain, you talk about their pain, they will go on and on and on. And it will never stop because you never acknowledged their frustration. They never felt heard with their frustration. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, regardless of the three, what we're going to do is two things. We're going to do number one, we're going to acknowledge or commiserate, whichever one is most appropriate. I'll show you what that means. And then we're going to connect the dots and make the picture bigger. So if you were going to acknowledge or commiserate for me, and I just said, I'm so frustrated. I've seen so many doctors over the years. I'm just so frustrated. How would you acknowledge or commiserate? I totally understand how you're feeling. It must be horrible to be in that situation. Perfect. That's perfect. That's exactly what I want you to do. Now I want to make the picture a little bit bigger. And so the picture a little bit bigger goes like this. You know, and I got to tell you, probably 80% of the people that see me are just like you. They've seen at least a dozen other doctors. They haven't gotten results. They're completely frustrated. And what I want to do today is look through a different lens. Let's see if we can see things from a different perspective and either really be the people to help or find someone who can help you. How's that sound? Let's do that. Perfect. Hmm. Less than a minute, right? But now they're heard. They're not frustrated. They're now hopeful. And they recognize the paradigm shift of, I'm going to look from a different perspective. We're going to do something different here, which we are dramatically different. So I commiserated, I connected the dots, made the picture a little bit better, bigger, and now they're ready to move on. Mm. So far, so good? And reassured them that you've had experience in this thing loads of times before. Absolutely. Absolutely. Step one. Now, if they don't say that, let's assume they say, I have pain. Now, this is what it sounds like when they talk about their pain. That's what pain sounds like. And when they talk about pain, well, I'm so sorry to hear that. Acknowledge, commiserate. And then when did it start? What makes it better? What makes it worse? We all know those, right? That's easy. Here's here's the rub. More often than not, I'm going to say 75 to 80% of the time, they don't want to talk about their pain. We do. We want to talk about their pain because that's doctor talk. That's doctor questions. They want to talk about how it's affecting their life. And here's how I know. Because they say, I have this pain every time I blank. I have this pain, now I can't blank. I have this pain, I'm afraid I won't be able to blank. They want to talk about blank. I have this pain and now I can't surf. Mm. I have this pain and now I can't work. This is what they want to talk about. And if we get sucked into talking about this, we start to lose them. Now, here's the deal. It literally takes seconds for the reptilian brain to shut down and go on tilt, right? Imagine you're sitting in class 
I know you've never done this, but other people have. Sitting in class and you're daydreaming. And you're thinking about what a gorgeous day it is outside and what I'd like to. And you're hearing, wah, 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 wah. And your teacher's going, wah, wah, wah. And you're looking out the window. And then you hear, and that'll be on the test. And you go, <gasps> right? That's what happens is we stopped listening. Something happened that didn't interest us. That caused the reptilian brain to say, this isn't important. And then it shut down and then they stop listening and then they have to go home and think about it. That, that's what happens. So literally we, there's all these things we can do to cause that to shut down, such as they really want to talk about how it's affecting their life, but you're talking about their pain. Mm. You can get away with that for a very short period of time. And then they will literally start having an internal dialogue. And when their internal dialogue starts, you start to lose them. Mm. You with me on that? Absolutely. Because then it's, you know, there's no room for two conversations in the room at the same time, right? Exactly. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that from you. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) One too many conversations going on in this head, right? So when we say, look, I understand what's going on. Please tell me more about it. And they say, well, yeah, I've got this. And it's, it's, it's keeping me from serve. I'm going to commiserate. And then I'm going to connect the dots and make the picture bigger. Now, here's how we're going to connect the dots and make the picture bigger. I'm going to talk about whatever they're talking about. And that would be performance. We'll talk about performance. If that's appropriate, we'll then move to less than. I'm either afraid I'll have to do less of this or I'm already having to do less of this. And then it goes to, uh uh-oh, and if that progresses, I'm afraid that I'll have to quit altogether or I've had to already quit altogether. You with me on that? Yeah. So here's an example. It's work, play, and home. I don't care if you're swinging a hammer, work, swinging a golf club, or a cricket paddle. Cricket, cricket bat, yeah. Cricket, cricket bat. Um, or swing in your grandchild. I don't care. It's all the same story. I'm going to make my story about your story. So I'm drawing your story out of you. So Chris, I understand you what's going on. Please tell me more about it. So let's say we're talking about choose a choose a profession a job uh, go, golfer okay. are you talking about like a like a working profession you mean yeah yeah, yeah we'll, a, plumber. We'll a plumber okay yeah tell me about performance on the job what could i say so as a plumber you probably do this this and this so when you're doing this this and this how does that affect you what are three things they may do as a plumber dig a trench um do work under the cupboard <laughs> uh lift a pile of stuff off their truck yeah so as a plumber you're probably having to dig trenches and you're working in weird positions and you know pick up heavy things off your truck and and when you've got this low back pain how's that affecting you on the job do you see what a different question that that is then tell me how's this affecting your life mm. Got that, and and the idea is that you already know what they do before you you know as as it's come out right, and so you're you, but it's that's the skill is being able to pre-frame that in your own head to ask that right question, right? That's it. That's it. See, I already know your history. I read your history form, and it said I have low back pain 
that's affecting me. I'm a plumber. Yeah. All right. So then I go, okay, so as you're doing these things, how is that affecting you? We look at performance. How's that affecting your performance? How's that affecting your ability? You're not able to work uh, as as uh, effectively as you normally do. Is that affecting your relationship with your the owner of the company? Right. It, it doesn't matter what what it is. I'm just going to look at what it is you do. You know, you're a teacher. You're in front of people all day long. You're having to stay very present. You're on your feet all day long. You're dealing with snotty kids that aren't really into what you're doing. So how's that affecting your ability to do your job with that pounding headache? Yeah. Right. And, and, and this is, you know, effectively what you're teaching is that idea is you can actually have a conversation which goes for 10 minutes and no one feels as though there's been any engagement or interaction whatsoever that's meaningful. Or you can have a conversation that goes for two minutes and you kind of feel like it's the most insightful two minutes you've ever spent. Right? Bullseyes versus tens and twenties. Interrogation, right, versus master having a conversation. They will never know that I had a plan in my head. I have a plan. I know where I'm at at all times. They'll never know it. They're just thinking that, wow, I had this conversation and this guy, like, it was like he knew me. Hmm. Because you get there so fast, but you're drawing their story out of them. You apply your story to their story, which I'll show you in one second. And as you do, it's now their story. Hmm. So, so we're going to go. All right. So work. All right. So now it goes into less than. Are you, have you been having to work less? Have you missed any days of work? Or are you concerned you're going to miss any? If this progressively worsens, are you concerned about losing your job? Right? Same thing. Swing in a golf club. What would be performance? You're talking to a golfer. What would performance be? Things like your drives are not going as long as they used to be, or you know, you're feeling pretty fatigued at the end of the 16th hole. Um, you know, stuff like that. Short game, long game, mm. tired at the end. Score. Your touch. Yeah, score goes up. Score. Is it affecting your score? Mm. Yeah, it is. All right, so let me ask you this. Have you been having to miss any? Or are you having to do any less? Are you concerned about having to do less? Mm. Are you concerned if it progressively worsens, you're going to have to quit altogether? Right? I'm not trying to make a mountain out of molto. I'm not trying to ruin you. I'm literally trying to draw your story out of you. What are your concerns? But at some point, I might say, and, and you have a nice one. You got just a little bit of great coming in right there. Right? I'm ahead of you on this, but a little bit works really well where you get to stroke your goatee and, and you say, so if I understand it correctly, um, you don't just want to get feeling better so you can golf again. You'd actually like to, I'm planting the seed here, you'd actually like to resolve this once and for all so you can continue to golf. Is that true? I guarantee you 100% here's what's going to happen. They'll go like this. Yeah, that's true. And it's a new idea. And whose idea is it? It's their idea. It's their idea. So long as you don't butt in and interrupt, right? You could. Thank you. That's, when they're processing, all you got to do is make a noise and pull them out of it. We lose it, right? You got to let them process Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is it. They'll walk out. They'll say to their spouse, "You know what, honey? I don't just want to feel better. I want to resolve this. I want to be able to continue to go." It's their idea, mm-hmm. and you placed it in there for them. Yeah, swinging your grandchild. Same story. It doesn't matter. Work, play, and home. It's all the same thing. But we have to be able to learn 
We got to be able to learn how to do this, to ask the right Socratic questions. Do, do we have time for me to show you another piece like in the exam or too late, too, too long? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, long format, it's cool. Wait, I don't really mind. because I. Yeah, but I was thinking about the, um, you know, like I, I'm still seeing a few patients myself and I had that classic moment this week where someone obviously with a very, mo- you know, motivated by a very specific thing of which, you know, so it was, let's use the example of this young girl who came in and she was like neck, the classic neck did not move whatsoever. Um, loads of pain, lots of anxiety going on. However, it's that sort of thing that never really had happened ever before. And she's pretty young and it's like that thing where, okay, well, I just want to come in here. I want you to fix me and then I'm going to leave, you know. And so I didn't do a very good job of linking her story, which was the I have a really sore neck, to and, you know, I think this is a, a, within our group, I know it's a big problem to then sort of going, well, I know your body could be functioning way better than it is right now and I just did not find a path to go from that very recent, very bad neck to your life could actually be a little bit better uh, or you could be a little bit healthier uh, if we did some work together over a longer period of time. Two pieces of this puzzle. Uh one is we're going to have to talk about three dimensions of stress and we're going to have to get an idea of the past and present traumas that she's had. And then we have to get an understanding on the scale here. Is she actually just right here? She's in a lot of pain, but she's actually very, very healthy. And that really this is a minor thing. And in a couple of adjustments, she's really going to be fine. Or is it this has really been a long term thing that's been going on? And the truth is you take x-rays, you do your tests, they're not clear, and they're not going to be clear for quite some time. So the truth is she may actually be very healthy. She may, When you take an x-ray, it looks darn near perfect. And a couple of adjustments, she's back to fine. That's very possible. Mm. But I think what you're saying, and you're rightly saying, that there were lots of findings in there that I could have done a much better job of presenting to her to say, this was the final straw that broke the camel's back. Um, this was not just something that just happened recently. But it's... If that's um, true. Hmm? If that's true. Yeah. Well, I, and I think it was because it was like a, not a case of it being just a, a fairly minor thing. She had sort of all sorts of x-ray stuff going on, even though she was fairly young. And you oh. know, But it's, it's just joining up those dots, isn't it, to actually then make it more important. Because at that point in time, it wasn't that important because, yeah, she couldn't sleep for a couple of nights, but now she's feeling a little bit better. Now it's zero down on the importance again um, because I didn't do a very good job of communicating that with her. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So the next step is we connect the three dimensions of stress. We look at her past and present traumas and we help her understand back to the goatee. Boy, I got to tell you, it's an accumulation of stress over time that can lead to these kinds of subluxations and health problems. I'm already... I'm already pre-framing that a subluxation is a health problem, right? Mm -hmm. And so no wonder you're in the shape you're in. Then I'm going to get into the exam. So let's look at the exam. So in the exam, I'm going to do my touch, tell, ask, and teach. Now, we use this brochure right here, and it starts with, is that a back problem or a health problem? That's the first question right on there. We then have the chiropractic premise, nervous system controls everything, getting proper nervous supply, best chance of being healthy. If you're not, you know, the premise... And we've got the uh, Merrick chart on the inside. 
and we have the whole story on the back. Let me just show you how to do this. And this is exactly what we do with someone like that. So um, we did the consultation. We're now in the examination. And now I'm going to use this phrase. Oftentimes, if you have a subluxation causing blank, we'd expect to see blank. And that would make sense because blank. Simple as that. Hmm. Here's what it goes like. I'm going to connect the dots. I'm going to connect this chief complaint to your subluxation and in the nervous system. And then I'm going to connect that to motor sensory autonomic. Once I've done that, I'm going to connect another area to motor sensory autonomic, another area to motor sensory autonomic, and then I'm going to prove my case. Here's what it would be like in real time. So show me exactly where that is. Are you get your headaches right there? Or okay, you got your pain right there? Um, oftentimes, if you have a subluxation causing this type of pain, we're going to find a tender spot right there. Is that tender there? Yes, it is. Well, I think we might have found the underlying cause of your problem, and it would make sense because when you're subluxated, you have little nerves that go right to this area. They cause those muscles to really bind up, and they get really tender, or they literally have a nerve called the greater occipital nerve, and it would cause headaches right there. So I think we might have found the underlying cause of your problem. Paragraph, new paragraph, same paragraph. And I got to tell you, oftentimes, if you do have a subluxation causing this kind of neck pain or these kinds of headaches, we'd expect to see... Spaciness, dizziness, mood swings, brain fog, eyes, ears, nose, throat, sinus, ADD, ADHD. Now they have this on a, on a clipboard. They're literally with a pen and I'm going, can you circle C1 for me, please? And put an R on it because it went to the right. Can you circle headaches or neck pain for me? Okay, good. Do you ever get any spaciness, dizziness, mood swings, brain fog, eyes, ears, nose, throat, sinus, ADD, ADHD, any of that kind of stuff? I get sinus problems all the time. Can you do me a favor and underline that? And that would make sense because this nerve doesn't just go to here, it goes into here. And if we're not getting proper nerve supply, does it make sense that not only could it cause this or this, but it can cause that? And they go, yeah, I had no idea. Like, why didn't anyone ever tell me this before? And then we can ask questions like this. And, and let me ask you a question. What if this subluxation is causing your headaches and it's also causing your sinus problems? And we correct the subluxations, Chris, what do you think would happen to your headaches? They will hopefully go away. I'd agree. Did you notice who I agreed with? I agreed with you. And then I say, if it's also causing your sinus problems and we get this taken care of, what do you think happens to your sinus problems? Pressure will come off and hopefully they'll go away. I'd agree. But let me ask you this. What if it is causing your headaches, but it's not causing your sinus problems and we get it taken care of? Will, will it help the headaches? The headaches will go away. The sinus problem may stay. I agree. So let's go ahead and take a look. Let's do some more tests, see if they might be related. Like your myograph, thermograph, x-ray, that kind of thing. Right? Go to another area. So now that I've met your chief complaint, and, and let me ask you this question. You're looking at the chart. I'm talking about your chief complaint. I'm sticking my thumb in your subluxation. I'm now asking you Socratic questions. Are you 100% fully engaged? Way more, well, yes, compared to if I was just telling you, you know, this causes headaches, right? I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, they're 100% engaged. There's nothing more interesting to them in the world, nothing than, than, than their symptoms. No one else will listen anymore. You're talking to them about it, and you're going, Well, shoot, you know, do you ever get any of this? And they go, Hell yes, I get that. How did you know? I've had that since I was a kid. Well, because this nerve goes to there too. Why didn't anyone ever tell me this before? Trust me, they're getting this. 
right? Just for fun. There was a guy I was coaching uh, on on Maui. Uh, this happened in two different docs that I coached. And it had been 20 and 25 years since I had been in practice. And I was coaching two different docs on Maui 20 years and 25 years into the game. Mm-hmm. And both of them had the experience where they did this with the patient and the patient literally said everything. They said the whole story. They literally said, no, I know this is a health problem, not a back problem. And, and they both asked, how do you know that? And they said, I used to see Dr. Rosen. <laughs> they hadn't seen me in at least 20 or 25 years. It is their new story. I promise it's how it works. And I got to tell you, if you do have this going on, we might find another one here. Do you have any tenderness here? Yeah. And it makes sense the body compensates. Do you ever get any pain in between the shoulder blades towards the end of the day? Yeah, well, that makes sense. When you're subluxated here, that's not working right. It kind of aches in there a bit. Yeah. Let me ask you, do you ever get any gas bloating indigestion? Do you ever get any heartburn, burping, any of that kind of stuff? All the time. Mm. Well, that makes sense because what? No go because this nerve goes into here. Yeah, to the liver, the gallbladder, the stomach. And if you're not getting proper nerve supply, what do you think happens? Because wouldn't it be far out if as we were helping you with your neck pain, your headaches, if all these other things clued up too, wouldn't that be cool? Amazing. Yeah. And that's the difference between if you're not going to mention the other stuff, you can't expect the patient to get it, right? That's the point. How do they get it? It's a health problem, not a back problem. Well, and there's a, you know, they're not going to look at your posters on the wall and unless you point to them or ask questions about it. Um, yeah yeah and so then here's the whole story and I'm going to do this with you so we just did I'm going to take you through as a patient we just connected this to your headaches and your sinus problems your mid-back pain and your indigestion that's what we just did all right now you we haven't talked before you've not done this I'm telling you it's exactly what it's like with a real patient all right so you just circled c1 and t4 you circled headaches you underlined sinus problems you underlined indigestion okay so because i'm going to go through these four points with you and i'm going to give you this to take home okay if you get these four points i can help you and if not there's probably nothing i can do sound fair okay all right reptilian brain perspective is the reptilian brain listening hell yes it is i can get help if i pay attention yeah got it so let me ask you a question where are your subluxations C1 and T4. How do I know you're going to say C1 and T4? Because you told me previously. Because you you circled them. Mm-hmm. You took your pen to paper. You circled them. I know you know. I know you're going to say it. No one ever does it. Hmm. And what could it be causing? Headaches, sinus, indigestion. I'd agree. I'm agreeing with your story. It's your story. It's not mine. And let me ask you a question. Now, in our history, we just said that you, you know, car accidents and crack cocaine and footy. So then I'm just going to ask you what probably brought them on in the first place. You're going to say that. Now I'm going to say this. So let me ask you a question. What happens over time if we don't get these subluxations taken care of? What do you think happens? My health may degenerate and worsen. I'd agree. (laughs) That's probably what happens. Even if you don't show them, I promise you, they'll, they'll, now, am I trying to scare you? Not at all. Am I saying you're going to die from the silent killer? No, they they know it. 
you're drawing that out of their story. They know if it doesn't get taken care of, it's probably going to worsen. And they will tell you things like, I'll end up like my father. You know, I'll end up having this surgery. I'll end up having this. And you'll go, you know, definitely those are things that can happen. On the other hand, if we were to correct it and show you ways to quit recreating it, different, right? We're going to correct it and show you ways to quit recreating it. How do you think you'd feel? I would feel more in control of my health, I would hope. Absolutely. And you, of course, feel better for getting proper nervous play. And there's no reason for the problem. You feel better. And obviously, as far as our future goes, right, if we're now getting proper nerve supply to our organs, we're now getting proper nerve supply, do we see that we can prevent all kinds of problems in the future because it's now working and not progressively worsening? Mm. Let me ask you this. Now, you, at your age, I would ask this. You're talking to an 18-year-old girl. I wouldn't. I would say... and. Does it make sense that um, we literally could reverse the effects of the aging process? In other words, do you buy that if you were to eat better exercise, deal with stress, correct subluxations, live a better lifestyle, get proper nerve supply, that you could actually be healthier in five years than you are right now? Do you buy that? I buy that 100%. Yeah, me too. It's what we see all the time. In fact, on our walls and videos, you take a look at the testimonials, you'll see that most everyone sees that, right? So let me ask you this, subluxations, neck pain, headache, sinus problems, mid-back pain, indigestion, coated tongue, stinky armpits, explosive diarrhea, just a back problem or an overall health problem? What do you think? Sounds like a health problem to me. Yeah, brother, I'd have to agree. Hmm. Now I just got to find out what you want. The report of findings, I literally, literally, and I've been planting the seeds about resolve, get healthy versus just feeling better. I've been planting the seeds. There's several times I've planted it by now. Mm. I literally, in the report of findings, just go, what level of health do we think you're at? Because if you're below zero, you have symptoms and you're in a lot of pain. So obviously you're somewhere down here. And what level of health do you want to get to? You want to just get feeling better knowing you didn't resolve it, but that's okay for you right now? Or do you want to get to the optimal level of health or somewhere in between? Show me where I'll show you how to get there. What do you want? And they will do this. I want to get healthy and stay healthy. And then I'm going to take them through a short process where I go, yeah, I, I know you say you want to get healthy, but is that what you really want? Or do you, you just kind of want to get feeling better? I mean, it's really okay because I'm not going to take that first answer. I'm going to get them to dig their stake in the ground and say, I'm sick and tired of being, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want to get healthy and stay healthy. And I'm going to say to them, all right, because I took it away. I'm going to go, all right, if that's what you want, if you want to get healthy and stay healthy, I got to tell you up front, it's quite a commitment of time, energy, and finances, but you want to get healthy and stay healthy, let me show you how to do it. It's easier to give someone something they want than to sell them something they don't want. Mm. But you have to give them what they want, and you're either going to give them what they want to get out of pain or what they want to get healthy and stay healthy and resolve their problems. The question is, will you close the gap? And the only way I know how to close the gap, and it literally takes minutes, it's not a long process, is through Socratic questions, the ones I'm talking about that our entire process walks people through, mm. and then they get there and they know the difference between the two and whichever one they want, you give them. Simple as that. Simple as that. It really is. Mm. 
But yeah, and you've definitely going through this whole process now. And I think, as I said before, I remember this process from when Dr. Michael was with us in Putney back, I believe it was in 2012. In fact, I don't know, you were in London in 2012 or 2013 or somewhere like that. I think you were doing a conference uh, and Bloomy was over here working with us and you came in there to talk one evening in Putney. And that's that link between you and me and Putney in London uh, and Michael Bloom, even though it goes beyond where I think you helped him build his practice in, in Melbourne. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I remember that talk, by the way. I remember the office. Yeah, it's a funny little door you go through and you get through this quite sort of biggish space. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, we didn't take you at a game of football, though. That was the obviously where we missed out. We didn't take you to Chelsea, right? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, no. Um, but I, getting to that, I remember at the time. <laughs> Uh, Michael and I working through some of that um, touch tail stuff, uh, you know, where it's like you, you can't be just pressing on somewhere saying, isn't that sore? That's a shame, you know, expand the picture. Um, and and if you don't expand the picture, then you can't expect anyone's brain to be expanded enough to think it is just a localised little problem that will go away in two um, adjustments. So, yeah, and, and when we expand the problem, it shouldn't be touch and tell which is what I was brought up with, touch yeah. and tell. It's touch, tell, ask. Yeah, and that's the key. And that's the thing that's quite, you know, this is probably where you need the coaching leads into, uh, that to, to be able to, because asking that question then puts yourself, you know, in that sort of space, which is a little bit uncertain, doesn't it? Uh, when, when you're kind of pressing, because guess what? They might say no. <laughs> they might say, actually, no, my, indige- my, my digestion is good, thanks. <laughs> yeah, and what if they say no? I mean, th- that's the thing. It's So is that tender? No. Well, I, I promise you 99% of the time, just ask them. I mean, if you found the subluxation, yeah. you're really pressing on it. All you got to do is ask them, do you have yeah. a high tolerance to pain? Okay. Yes, I do. Okay, well, with most people that would be tender with you, we're not going to expect tender, but here's what I can tell you. Blah, blah. What if they say, no, I don't have indigestion? Far out. Now, if you're doing scans, you can say, with what I feel, boggy, edematous, swollen in this area, I'll bet you're not getting proper nerve supply to those organs. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a test called a thermograph. I'll bet you we're going to see color. If we're seeing color in that area, you're not getting proper nerve supply. Wouldn't it be far out if we get this taken care of before it became a problem? Personally, I palpate organs. Right When I feel that in there and I know that that's going on and you don't have gas floating indigestion yet, I'm going to stick my hand in there and I'm going to touch your gallbladder. And we're going to see if you go through the roof. You've got inflammation. You've got a problem. I know you don't have those symptoms yet. Wouldn't be far out if as we were getting this taken care of, we can get that to clear up too. So I think that's really answered my original question, hasn't it? Which was the, and the, the original question is, why do we need to communicate? to be able to, I guess, lead people down a path towards improved health is because most people's minds are focused in on one little thing and don't even know of the potential benefits of what you can do. Most doctors don't even know they can actually perform those benefits because they're not focusing on them anyway. Um, If you're not asking how people are sleeping after, you know, two months of care, you're not going to know, are you? you know, if you're not if you're not asking people 
how their digestion is or how their energy levels are or any of that sort of stuff, then you're just not going to ever have that certainty around the fact that you can help people in, with those things. And, uh, you know, that's what... I hear this all the time. I hear this all the time. And I literally just got an email uh, one week ago from a doc who uh, never coached with me, but did the process. Um, And he just sent me an email saying, I started doing this 10 years ago. Prior to that, I had no idea ever that anything other than back pain, back pain and headaches were getting better. Since then, I've seen cancers go away. I've seen lots of women get pregnant who couldn't get pregnant. I've seen sugar handling issues and asthma go away. See, those things are happening. They can't not. If you're actually correcting subluxations and people are getting proper nerve supply, those things are happening some of the time. Not all the time, obviously, but some of the time that's happening. The thing is, is do you know it? Do they know that it is? Because if they don't know it had to do with what you do, you don't get any of the bonus points and there's no value. Got it? There, there was a, there was a, a, a gal that I was working with I knew her well and I knew her husband really well. And she had heard her, uh, she had work comp injury and headaches and blah, blah, blah. And I saw her pelvis shift and it, it did a massive shift. And I went, all right, now here's the deal. When this happens, I'm very confident you're now getting proper nerve supply down in this area. This area goes to these organs down here. And I know your chief complaint is your headaches, but I know you and Eric were trying to get pregnant. And I know you've done in vitro and I know that you quit. And I'm not saying you're going to get pregnant. I'm simply saying now that you're getting proper nerve supply, it could possibly happen. So if you don't want to get pregnant, be aware. I swear to God, I'm not kidding. I have a I have a testimonial of her with her three kids. Um, of she walked in six weeks later in my big room of 17 tables and said, Dr. Rosen, you got me pregnant. <laughs> and here's the question: had I not pointed that out through touch the last teach? Would she have any idea that the reason why she got pregnant was because of the proper nerve supply? No. No. Did she become a great long-term lifetime as long as I was practicing patient? Yes. Did she refer to me all the time? Yes. Did she refer only for neck pain? No. It was anything. You want to be healthier than you are right now. You want to see Dr. Rosen. Yeah. And that's that whole thing of like – if you align with people who get it, they will be sending you the right type of people as well. Um, so, hey, so uh, you're obviously full-time and really busy with regards to doctors all over the world, but, you know, tell us a little bit about, because, you know, I think the people, well, I know the people who listen to this are, are in the UK. And it, uh, how long has it been since you've been to the UK? Obviously, we yeah, can't do it this year. but uh, That was my last time. The last time when we were talking, which was like 2012, 2013 or something, I can't even remember the year. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was uh, I think, 12, yeah. But you'd probably love to get some people from the UK back on your books because uh, I bet you you would um, like to see what the landscape looks here. Um, uh, yeah, and, and I, I do. I, I work with an office. We're bringing on their uh, uh, third associate now. Um, but I do work with an office in London. Um, okay. So I have a pretty good idea of what's going on there. But I love working with docs over there because the truth is you haven't shot yourself in the foot like we have. Not not as bad. You, yeah. you still have people coming in that don't quite get, you know, neck pain, back pain, headaches, and they're yeah. still much more open. 
So it's very easy to shift their consciousness. Yeah. You, in and, fact, uh, you may be the first person chiropractor that they've ever seen. That hardly ever happens here. Yeah. And they're happy to make a decision based on what they want to do themselves, not what their insurance company is allowing them to do, you know. So that's that's the other benefit that we have over here as well. Um, where, where, where do people find you? What's your best way of, uh, is it your website or um, social yeah. media stuff? What I'm going to recommend is I have put together, and, and uh, it'll be hopefully up and running in about an hour because my guy's working on it because um, I forgot to send it to him. Um, if you go to the o, the OHCsystem.com, the OHC system for the Optimal Health Coaching System.com forward slash Cairo London, I know that in the middle, just Cairo London, you'll see that there's uh, a webinar that I have there. It's a 76 minute webinar where I go into what we talked about in, in quite a bit more detail. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, if you go to my website, regular website, you'll see that I don't do this. But for uh, these folks listening, if you would like this brochure that I sell, I will send it to you. So you'll see that there's a link that you can just click on and then I'll, I'll send you one if you like. We have four different versions. Um, and then if you'd like to get on the phone and talk about you know, where you're at, where you'd like to get to, uh, and uh, if I might be able to help, I'd be happy to set a planning call um, with you. I, I said hour-long call, so it's, you know, you're serious about growth and, and this kind of model. Um, odds are I can help. Yeah, because I think I, I've seen you You have your online diary, don't you, that you can just sort of nominate a time and um, we can sort of, uh, you could arrange a chat. So, But uh, I was able to grab you just before the big jolly fellow comes down the chimney, which is only about two days away from now, isn't it? So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here fires are on. What? Here. Oh, fires you mean, are, yeah. Meaning I mean, it's cold or, or, or you don't have bushfires or anything like no, that? No, no, no. We did, man. I could, yeah. I couldn't leave my house for like eight weeks. It was, uh, well, I couldn't leave anyway because we've been in yeah. lockdown, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jolly guy comes down here. People got their fireplace on in Maui. You know, you got a fireplace for looks. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, uh, look, California must be like lovely in the winter, but uh, it still gets cold. So it's good to hear you still get a little bit chilly though. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I said, my sister's in Southern California and we, I was talking with her on a walk yesterday. It's 80 degrees there. Yeah. But, but up near San Francisco, man. Hey, Russ, well, thank, it's great to reconnect with you anyway, mate. And um, I'm glad we had this uh, conversation. It's definitely... You know, there's, there's nothing like I was – it was making me think back to I, I was a guinea pig uh, or like a, I was asked to be a volunteer at my kid's school one time. And these um, – I don't know what – I can't even remember exactly what they were doing, but they ended up putting a heart rate monitor around my chest, strapping the cables into a computer and then literally putting on the big screen um, – my what my heart was doing and how it was fluctuating as they were asking me a series of different questions right and here I was fairly confident about sort of you know both uh, I'm a fairly fit guy at sort of 48 um that's sort of what my heart was capable of doing and then all of a sudden they just sort of would just launch into a right count backwards from a hundred via threes right and then your heart rate would like spike and it would like go out of control and I could hear it sort of bounding in my uh, ears and 
Um, and, and literally as I was panicking, mad panic, as I was like trying to sort of count backwards from 100 by threes, you know, um, in front of 100 people, all, all sort of my peers watching me literally do this and fail. Um, but the point, it made me think about that thing of like if you if you're having a conversation with someone and their heart rate is like the metronome and does not miss a beat, then they're basically half asleep, right? Um, and I, I know what you're saying in terms of like the, you don't want them to be in mass fight or flight, ready to run away from you and not take any information in at all, but then you don't want them falling asleep either. And there's, there's that little bit of um, common, you know, in between where if you can just get them at the right level, wake them up, make them a, a willing to absorb but not deflect, um, that's sort of the key, right? So. Yeah, look, the key in the neuroscience of communications is you recognize that there's endorphins and there's norepinephrine. Those, those are the two, and it's a, it's a gas pedal in the brake. And if I give you too much of the endorphins, it feels really good and you just kind of go to sleep, mm. right? So if I'm just asking you questions and it's all real easy and it's all making sense and all that, you literally put them to sleep. You'll notice... Here and I have it built in through every aspect of what we do. I said, look, if you understand this, I can help. And if not, there's really nothing we can do. That causes a shot of norepinephrine. And that norepinephrine keeps them present. So it's a constant balance between feeling good and something that causes them to perk up. And 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 there's a place you want to you want to hang right there. You're the first person that's ever brought that up. Good for you. But I think, you know, you're very skilled at it because, uh, you know, in, in the way that you, you, you just challenge them enough, like me, uh, to kind of get an answer or a response and sort of get the heart beating a little bit. But then you'll kind of do that reassuring thing of like, I agree. I totally yeah, agree. That's, that's, you know, we see that all the time, you know, all, if, all those little phrases. So. If you go back, you will watch. If you go back and watch, I had asked you a question. I asked you another question. I was watching you and it looked like I was starting to get you a little bit uncomfortable. So then I just gave the next answer. Yeah. Right. And, and it, 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 when you go through this stuff, it is so simple. Like in my world, I have this right here. It's here are the series of questions you ask. These are the series of questions you ask. How do you know what you're trying to accomplish? Cause you watch the module. And when you watch the module, Here's all the notes I would have taken if I was listening to me in green. Here's the actual scripting right here. There is no real scripting because you're just looking at the question. But it always ends with this. What are you trying to accomplish? Hmm. What are you trying to accomplish? When you know the right question, and you know what you're trying to accomplish. As soon as you accomplish it, you move on. I knew exactly where you and I would go. Hmm. As soon as I asked you the questions, you happened to be very bright and you were right on it. So I didn't have to pepper stuff in. I did just one time where I threw in one idea mm. and you go back, you'll see it, but you never felt it. I, yeah. I doubt that you felt it. Um, and it, and I, I show exactly how to do it. It is so simple. It's not easy because we're taught about educating and telling mm. instead of asking. And just for fun, when I'm working with docs, they will send me live ones and we'll listen together. Yeah. And they will tell me I've listened to it. I've asked all the questions. I accomplished what I meant to accomplish. We'll listen. And they hardly asked any questions. They told. Mm. They lectured through the whole thing. They did touch and tell. And then I go, show me where you're asking the questions. And literally they'll go, oh, my God. They listened to it. They thought they were. 
but it takes that outside influence. I, I bet you the, the there's probably two types of people that are quite hard to work with. One is the brand new grad who just doesn't have the life skills or the ability to read the room yet. And then the other one is someone who's been at it for 25 years and has all the bad habits that are hard to break down. There's probably that nice little kind of middle ground where someone's really kind of has some life skill, has the ability to do, to read, um, but uh, isn't in such a bad, it's such a groove, they haven't formed that groove yet. So Yeah, it, that's true. And my experience is the guy who I worked with uh, who'd been practicing for 50 years, 50 years, and then there's this guy I'm working with right now who's in uh, uh, sixth, sixth semester right now. Um, so he still has quite a ways to go. The thing I've noticed that's the biggest indicator of whether you get it or not is your motivation. Mm. You're motivated to change. You can get this stuff. If you're trying to dip your toe in the water, it's a different consciousness and it's a different skill set. It's a different language. And mm. I hear this all the time where people will say to me, God, I, I thought I did. I thought I did it right when we listen. Mm. And now I'm recognizing I'm not asking enough questions. And the reason for that, just for fun, and I'll ask you, because we're playing like this, why is it that people have such a tough time asking questions? It's, it's so much easier just to give information and than to think of the right question at the right time. That's it. That's exactly it. And it's how we were taught, right? We were taught, I don't know the right questions to ask. And yeah. I was caught by just telling. And the truth is, it's easier. So if I'm in drool mode in my practice where I'm tired and I'm drooling, I can't be that present with you. I can't have present time consciousness. I can't stay in the zone. The only way this stuff works is to be present time conscious and be in the zone. Because yeah. otherwise, you just get your wrap down. You go in, you tell the people you're moving through, right? Stamp and beef. But if you want to be present time conscious or you want to do this, you've got to be there with people. Then all you got to do is look. Those are the questions you ask every time. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we, we better wrap it up or else, uh, you know, the jolly big fella may come down the chimney before we even get to finish. So um, uh, two more sleeps, I think, um, till Christmas. I've got uh, 11 and a 13-year-old at home, so they're nicely at that age where they're kind of choosing to believe even though they possibly don't. Um, so, uh, no spoiler alert there. Um, mate, well, look, if you, if we ever get through this mad time that we're in right now, um, we'll have to get you over to London again and you can, um, uh, we will get that game of football in with the round exactly. ball as opposed to the, hold you, the I, need, I need another hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially now you're living in the sort of cold part of California, it sounds like. So yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, well, I'm definitely going to uh, obviously share this with uh, our Cairo London crew anyway, um, which is ever expanding. And, um, yeah, I'll get it out there uh, on the podcast as soon as I can manage to do some fancy editing, okay? So yeah. um, thanks for joining us today, Russ. Eh? Yeah, as always, much love and aloha. Thank you, brother. It was an absolute pleasure. I appreciate it.